great time of worship. Really appreciate it very much, very much. So, in 1864, Joseph Damien left Belgium and arrived in the Hawaiian Islands to serve as a missionary. He is known for his ministry on the island of Molokai, where a portion of the island was set aside as a government-sanctioned leper colony. Prior to Damien's arrival, that area had been left alone. It had been set aside only for the lepers to live there, to keep them away to, so they wouldn't put the rest of the population in jeopardy. There were no doctors, no nurse, no clergy, not even a grave digger among them. And Father Damien worked for 16 years, providing comfort for those in his care. His presence in the colony brought about change. He, he lived closely among his patients, feeding them and building homes for them, dressing their sores, dispensing medicine. And he would pray at the cemetery, and he'd pray by their bedsides as they were dying. And one day, he was pouring scalding water, and he poured it on himself by accident, and his skin blistered, but he felt nothing. And he knew that he had become one of his parish. And he had contracted leprosy himself. It is said that his ministry took on an entirely different meaning after that. He was no longer an outsider coming to the inside. He was no longer one who didn't understand what was happening to the people he was ministering to. Now he was just like all of them in the colony. At the age of 49... He finally died of his leprosy, and then they say that every member of the colony attended his burial. If you're unsure why you're here tonight commemorating the birth of a child that took place thousands of years ago, it's because Jesus, who was fully God, came to earth and became just like us, fully man. In the story that we've, you've read many times, and Charlie Brown read it, and everyone else has read it, Matthew 123 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall name his, call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's an interesting thing. We need a God like us. Think about those who are suffering with leprosy, how they could relate to the man who now had leprosy. When they spoke of their illness and the impact it had on their life, Damien didn't have sympathy for them. He had empathy for them. And the difference is sympathy acknowledges the pain and the suffering of others. But empathy understands the pain and the suffering of others because they've had the same experience. Jesus doesn't sympathize with us. He understands our pain and struggle because he came to earth as this Christ child that we sing about tonight. Born of a young girl who grew up as a little boy into a young man. That's who Jesus was. He experienced all that we do. He had loss of loved ones. He had hunger. He had fatigue. He had sorrow and disappointment, anger and betrayal. In Jesus, there is a God that understands us. He knows what we go through. He knows the pain of family betrayal, of false accusations, of losing what is yours for the sake of another. And that is who God is. 
The baby that we sing about? The baby that we read about? The baby that children have their plays and they ring their bells and they sing really, really loud about? That baby Jesus was not just a baby, he was fully God at the same time. He was, he was God who came in flesh to came to identify with us so we could identify with him, so we could understand him better. And so that's what Jesus is like. He understands me. He understands you. He loves me. He loves you. He came to be like us so that when I hurt, he knows what it feels like to hurt. When I'm happy, he understands what it means to have joy. When we're in sorrow, he knows what it's like to be brokenhearted. He understands our pain and our struggle. But as much as Jesus was like us, he is just as different from us as well. Those who were suffering in the leper colony before Joseph Damien arrived needed someone from the outside to come into their world and champion their needs and suffering in order for those needs to be addressed and to occur and for change to occur. And we are like those lepers. We need someone from the outside to come into our life and into our world and to champion our needs. And so there are many people, though, I mean, you've, you've heard them say it, you know, I have no needs. I'm fine, just like I am. You could be so lucky to be like me. Well, that's not really that true. For we all have needs. We could go through this room tonight and we would make a list that I'm sure is exhaustive. But there is one need that is common to every single one of us that only Jesus could address. Every man, woman, and child in this room needs a Savior. Leprosy in its day and time had no known cure. That's why they were put off so they wouldn't contaminate the general population and they could just go back there and rot and die. Out of sight, out of mind. So they had no, diff- they had no opportunity other than be ostracized and isolated into colonies. But God wanted to alleviate our suffering and give us the opportunity to escape the death sentence that looms over every one of us. There's the passage, the, the, that verse, John three sixteen, and it reads that, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As much as we need someone who is like us, we need someone who is dramatically, dramatically, supernaturally different than us. Why, why can't God just be like us? Why can't he just be human? Why can't he be easy to understand all the time? Why can't he be easy to figure out? Why is it that there seems like there's so much mystery to him so much of the time? And it's because our need for a savior is not a human problem. We need someone that is far and above any human that we know far and above that is wiser than anyone we know, we need a Savior. 
The Bible says that we have all sinned. And, you know, some people would say, well, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a sinner. And some of you are pretty nice people. I mean, some of you really understand you meet the standard for being a good guy. But that's not the standard that God evaluates by. It's not how good you are. It's not how much money you give away. It's not how much you volunteer. The measure that God uses is how holy you are. And the standard for holiness is Jesus Christ himself. Holiness meaning that you've not ever sinned. So you can go around the room, and if any of you were stuck in traffic tonight, especially if you're probably a guy, you probably sinned. You know what I mean? And if you have a teenager, you probably sinned today. You know, it happens. All of us have fallen short of God's standard of holiness. Every single one of us. And so what we do in our books is we say, well, my standard of holiness is not that bad because you know what? So what if I get mad at the traffic? So what if I get upset about that? Everyone does. And it's right to be mad at the traffic. It's right to be mad that there's so many cars in my way because I've got a place to go. And so we say, I'm not that bad. Everyone's just like me. You know what? The measure is not everyone else. The measure is not how everyone else acts. The measure is not however, however good everyone else is. Because in that context, you probably are better than a lot of people. You probably are really a super nice guy compared to a lot of people. But you're not holy and sinless like Jesus is. And that's the standard. That baby that was born in that manger who came and lived and grew up just like any of the rest of us do, who stubbed his toe, who had colds, who got sick just like the rest of us do, the baby that had to learn things just like we all do, that baby, although he had to do all the stuff we did, he did all of it without sinning. That means when there were a lot of donkeys on the road in Jerusalem, he didn't get mad. He just thought he was okay with that. You know what I mean? Somehow or another, in that being fully God and fully man, he was able to remain sinless. That's what sets him apart from us. That's what makes him so necessary in our lives because none of us are sinless. And in God's system, in God's economy, as you might say, and as God is evaluating people, he might look through all these people and go, hey, these guys can sing really well. They're all sinners. They should go to hell. You know? He could look around the room and say, she's a great teacher. She leads bells really well. She should go to hell. You know why? Because she's not holy enough. She's a great bell ringer. But that doesn't get her into heaven. And so you can go around the room and you can put yourself on the stage and you can put yourself on the scales and you go, this is who I am. This is all that I bring. And this should be enough to get into your heaven. And he would say, no, it's not. Because you're still stained by your own sin. And that, owns, and that sin disqualifies you. And so the question remains, the question is, then how does anyone get into heaven? How does anyone measure up? And the answer is, Jesus. The answer is, Jesus is how we measure up. Because he came as a, 
as completely human, and he lived a life that was completely sinless. And in doing that, his life qualified as being a human life that was sinless for the first time in history, and the only time in history, he qualified to stand before God and say, I am sinless. And he said, so you are. And so God said, then let me send you in that sinless life, and you are going to pay the penalty so all those good musicians can get into heaven. You're going to pay the penalty so everyone who's at Christmas Eve at Crossing Community Church can gain entry into heaven. And that happened because that baby who was born grew up into, that baby who was born in the manger grew up and was the man who was nailed to the cross and put in the tomb dead and rose again three days later. And so this verse that we had a moment ago, anyone who believes in Jesus, that he truly died for their sins and that they realize that they can't pay their sins themselves, anyone who understands that and grasps that truth and says, I'd I, I, I don't know that I'm completely, I don't know if I absolutely understand what that means, but I know that I can't save myself, and I, and I have the sense that Jesus can save me, and I want that for myself. I want that. I don't understand it, but I know I need it. That person who articulates that is the person who will find themselves welcomed by the Father into heaven. When they close their eyes for the last time on this earth, they'll open them for the first time in his presence. That's why that baby needed to be fully human and fully God. That's why we need him to be like us and yet terribly, terribly different than us. That's why God sent Jesus Because being fully man, he experienced life as we do. And yet he was fully God. In my life, I don't need a good pastor. I don't need need Billy Graham. I don't need a great psychologist or psychiatrist or a great doctor or a great politician to make my life better because being better is not the objective. It's not the, the goal. Being holy is the goal and Christ's blood makes me holy and makes it possible for me to gain entry into heaven. And so that baby came and made that possible. I don't need doctors and psychologists and all those things to really improve my life the way it needs to be improved. I need Jesus. And he came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that we would have access through him into heaven. I don't need more people like me. I don't need some, you know, some of y'all really good. I don't need y'all. I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And the price that he paid and the penalty he paid and accepting that for ourselves. We need a God that is great among us and understands us and relates to us. But we also need that God who is terribly different than us. Tonight, that child came not to be sung about, although he is and he's worthy of it. He came not to have children ring their bells about him. 
He came to live a sinless life and to die on the cross so that you and I can place our faith in him and have eternal life. That's why he came. And that's why we sing. And that's why we talk about him. And that's why you're here tonight. And I think I can speak with great confidence that if you're here tonight and you've never believed in him for the salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, that's what he would want for you tonight. That's what he would want for you tonight. To stop being good enough. To stop trying to make your way, earn your way into heaven, but to believe that he paid your way into heaven for you. You can do that right where you sit right now. You don't have to walk the aisle. You don't have to raise your hand. No one's going to close their eyes. Nothing like that's going to happen. But what you need to do is in the secrecy of your heart, express your great need and acknowledge him as being the one who meets that need. In your own words, that's all you have to do. Believe that Christ died for you and he would love to adopt you into his family. Right now, I'm going to just stop and pray, and then we're going to have our last couple of songs. But if you need to pray that prayer and talk to the Lord about that, I would love for you to do so. And if you did that tonight, I'd love to know about it. Not because I'm going to do anything. I'm not going to like set up an appointment with you or anything. I would just love to know about that so I can be praying for you, okay? So, Father, we thank you very much that that is who you are. You are a God who is exactly like us in our flesh, but yet you are so dramatically different that we cannot fathom who you are because you are so completely God at the same time. And we thank you that you came and you lived sinlessly and you lived obediently to your Father and you lived and died and rose again so that we can have a relationship with you that is guilt-free, shame-free, and that we have access into heaven someday. And in all of that, you receive honor and you receive glory and you receive fame. For who would ever... Go and seek rebellious children, people who don't ever think about him. Who would ever send their son to die for people who never give you a second thought? And yet you did. So tonight we praise you and we thank you for the birth of Jesus, for the life of Jesus, and the death of Jesus. And it's in your most glorious and wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen.